You're listening to the Life Church Livonia podcast, a show where you can hear the teachings from our weekend gatherings. You can catch the full service on our Facebook or YouTube and head over to our website if you'd like to give. Here we're real people following a real God and experiencing real life. Welcome to Life Church Livonia. Hey Life Church, good morning. Welcome back. It's week two of our new series, Break Through the Busy. If you missed last week, we started this new series. I'm really excited about it. And if you missed last week, you missed our cider mill. How awesome was that for those of you that were there? It was so great. And if you missed it, bummer. Okay, it was awesome. It was awesome. But don't worry, we're going to be doing Trunk or Treat. At the end of October, you have a second chance. Now this series we're doing, Break Through the Busy, I think for most of us, fall feels like this mad dash at the beginning of the race, right? It's hectic, it's harried, it's frantic, it's full. We end up saying yes to more things than we should, and then we live by other people's agendas for our lives because we don't want to disappoint anyone. We sacrifice our margin and our limits as we try to get it all done. Does anyone else feel like that? Does that sound familiar to anybody else? Well, here at Life Church Livonia, We do not want to continue to sacrifice our integrity in order to soothe our anxiety. We want to break through the busy. And we want to do that by being driven by our vision, by our mission, and by our values, not by the concerns of other people and their agendas for our lives. We want to get clear on our vision. And that's what we started with last week. We talked about remembering the why and looking at Jesus's why for his ministry and therefore Jesus's why for our ministry. Last week, we looked at how Jesus says the human condition is one that is poisoned by sin. And that poison of sin brings death to our hearts, to our minds, to our relationships, to our bodies, and without Jesus, even to our spirits. Because God so loved the world, however, he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not die, but have eternal life. And Jesus took our death upon himself to give us life and life in all of its fullness. That's what we call the gospel. And if you missed last week, I would encourage you to go check it out. It's the good news that the poison of sin in our veins, which had doomed us to death, was uh, taken out of us. Jesus. That the only way to heal poison is not through apologies or good works, but an antidote. And in Jesus, we find that antidote. And we summarize that vision. We summarize that gospel here at Life Church by saying real people, real God, real life. That our vision is that real people like you and like me would come to know our real God and experience real life and life to the full in Jesus. But Jesus doesn't just communicate a why. He communicates how he wants his disciples to fulfill this mission. And I'm really excited today because today we're not just talking about Jesus's mission. We're watching it be fulfilled as some people in our church get baptized. And I'm really excited because some of the people getting baptized are 9 to 10 year old children. And I just celebrate that. And I'm so grateful for Bettina and her ministry and Life Kids as they disciple our children. And part of why I'm so glad is because I was 10 years old when I got baptized. And I also got baptized at a Life Church that met at a school. <laughs> I remember having my testimony written on a piece of paper. And I remember standing you know, in front of everybody and the water was there and my family all came and we're in this like school a cafeteria. And I said something like, you know how you have a, a missing piece in inside of you? Well, Jesus filled that. 
for me and I want to get baptized. You know, <laughs> yeah, I was so nervous and I just said things, you know, I said that not because I fully understood it, but I knew something about it was true, but I felt like I was supposed to say it. You know, I grew up in a Christian home and I have wonderful, wonderful parents. And it was the testimony of my parents' lives with Jesus in their own private relationship with God. That's what drew me to Jesus. I remember being five and watching my parents spend time with God alone. And I could see the difference in them from when before they spent time with Jesus to after they spent time with Jesus. Now, as a five-year-old, I didn't have much language to talk about anything, let alone metaphysical or theological realities. But I did know what it was like to feel hungry. And as a five-year-old, I knew how to satisfy that. I did know what it was like to be thirsty. And as a five-year-old, I knew how to satisfy that. I did know what it was like to be tired. And as a five-year-old, I knew how to satisfy that. But I could see when my parents were with Jesus, something in them was getting satisfied. And I didn't know how to satisfy that. I couldn't describe it at the time. But Jesus actually talks about this. There's a moment where he's interacting with this woman at a well. And he says, you know, if you want, I'll give you living water so you'll never thirst again. And she goes, great, I wouldn't have to come to the well. But what Jesus is talking about and what he explains to her is there's a thirst in your soul for God. And that Jesus can fulfill and satiate, can satisfy that thirst. So I felt that thirst as a five-year-old, even though I didn't have language for it. And so one day I just asked my mom, she was spending time with Jesus, reading her Bible. And I said, why do you do this? What are you doing? And, and what, what's going on here? And she explained to me the gospel, that Jesus died for my sins. My sins had separated me from God. And I was made to be unified with God. And that when Jesus died, he took all my sin upon himself so that I might be unified with God through him. And then he rose from the dead to give me life and life in all its fullness. And she asked me if I wanted that, and I said yes. And I began to believe in Jesus that day. But I was five. My relationship with Jesus was as mature as I was. <laughs> and it matured with me as I matured as a person. And so when I was 10 and I got baptized, I knew I was thirsty, but I didn't have all the right words, you know? I didn't understand that the longing inside of me for the approval of the people around me was really a longing for the approval of God that comes through being reconciled to him through Jesus Christ. I longed to hear my father in heaven say, this is my son whom I love. With Alex, I am well pleased. But I didn't have the words when I was 10. I just knew I was thirsty. You know, I didn't have the words again when I was 15 and I looked at pornography for the first time. And I remember feeling the jolt of it. But I didn't know that the belonging that I was looking for and the love that I was looking for and the pursuit that I was looking for could really only be found in union with Jesus. I didn't understand at 15 that no other person could ever satisfy that hole in my heart. Only Jesus could. I knew I was thirsty, but I didn't have the language for it. I didn't know at 17 that Jesus didn't just die to save me from hell. He rose from the dead to make me whole as a true human person, whole in body and in mind and in heart and in spirit. And that he didn't just want to give me life after death, but he wanted to give me life and life in all of its fullness, right here and right now, beginning today. And I couldn't explain those things. I just knew I was thirsty. 
my relationship with Jesus matured as I did. And when I got baptized at 10, I didn't have all the words. But somehow, some way, I knew that Jesus was going to satisfy my thirst. And I'm so excited today as other 9 and 10 year olds take a step on that journey where they don't have all the words. But you know what? They do know that that thirst in them is real and they do know that Jesus can satisfy it. And their relationship with him is going to mature as they do, just like it did for me. Our mission here at Life Church Livonia is know, grow, go. We fulfill this real people, real God, real life mission by helping people come to know Jesus, grow in maturity in relationship with God and with his body, the church, and then go and make disciples blessing the world. When I got baptized, it was a step in my growth journey with Jesus. And the folks getting baptized today are taking their own step of growing in Christ. Now, just like we didn't get real people, real God, real life from our own minds and thin air and creativity, we didn't get no grow, go as our mission just because it rhymes. That's very convenient though, I'll tell you what. We get it from Jesus. Jesus has a conversation with his followers in the end of the book of Matthew and the beginning of the book of Acts. And he has a conversation with the 11 remaining disciples after Jesus' death. And this is what happens. It says, Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, which is no. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go! and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Grow. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and all Judea, and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. After this, he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Christians call this the Great Commission, and it's Jesus' last command to his disciples before he ascends to heaven. And here at Life Church Livonia, Jesus' last command is our first priority. Let me say that again. Jesus' last command is our first priority. Now, we say no, grow, go. And the type A folks among you may be going, wait a second. The verse says no, go, grow. Okay, so something's a little out of order here. And for those of you who are more type A, we'll go in that order. But the reason we say no, grow, go is because that's the order you live, right? That's the order the disciples live, even though Jesus set a different order in that particular passage. So what do these things mean? What does it mean to know God? Well, if we go back to that verse, we see a couple things. It says this, when they saw him, they worshipped him. What does it mean to worship something? When we worship something, we make that thing the center of our lives. It is the center of gravity around which everything else in our life revolves. It's the thing that drives us, like we talked about last week. It's our why. It's our why. And we can worship many things that are not God. We can worship earning money. We can worship pleasure. We can worship our spouse. We can worship our children and making them happy. We can worship avoiding pain. We can worship many, many, many things that become the center around which our life, our yeses and nos, our do's and don'ts revolve. But to know God means that I've come into a saving relationship with him through Jesus. And my life revolves around Jesus. He is the center of my world. 
And I love how Pete Scazzaro puts this in his Emotionally Healthy Spirituality curriculum. He says, uh, what we're looking for is a slowed down, loving union with the maker of our souls. That's what it looks like to know God. A loving union with the maker of our souls. And so Jesus is after that. What does it mean to go? So we, we, that's no. What does it mean to go? Well, Jesus says an interesting thing here. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And in the beginning of the book of Acts, he gives them a couple places. He says, Judea, I'm sorry, Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. So geographically, Jerusalem was local. It would be like saying, hey, go to Livonia. Okay, great. That's local. Uh, Judea and Samaria were the surrounding regions. For us, it would kind of be like nationally, right? So the United States is much larger than Israel was at that time. But regardless, uh, Judea was the whole country and then Samaria was the neighboring country, okay? But again, it would be similar to saying, uh, go to Livonia and Metro Detroit, check. Okay, go to the Midwest, right? So we're gonna just say nationally. And then Jesus says to the ends of the earth, which is international global. So when Jesus is calling us to go and make disciples, he wants us to do that locally, nationally, and globally. And um, there's a really, really amazing study. So the, the question becomes, well, how do we go? Okay, so if going means going and making disciples, there's kind of two parts to that. The first is introducing people to Jesus that they might come to know Jesus. We call this evangelism, telling someone who doesn't know Jesus about him and inviting them into a relationship. That's evangelism. The other part of making a disciple is taking this infant in Christ. We talked about last week, Jesus says you must be born again. So there's this infant in Christ. They may be an adult, but they're young in the Lord and helping that person grow into maturity. So both helping someone come to know Jesus for the first time or grow in depth of relationship with him. That's part of how we go and fulfill the Great Commission. We are disciples who are making more disciples, right? And we want to do that. Uh, locally, nationally, and internationally. At Life Church Livonia, we have an acronym we use called BLESS. And it stands for begin with prayer, listen with care, eat together, serve each other somehow, and share your story. And this is our process of evangelism. And one of the reasons this is our process of evangelism is because of a study done. One of the things I like to say is best idea wins, right? That we're interested in doing things as effectively as possible. And uh, there was this amazing study done, these two missionary groups to Thailand. One group's express purpose was to convert as many people as possible to come to know Jesus. The second group's express purpose was to bless as many people as possible in the name of Jesus. Okay? After two years, Group A, the converter group, had only helped two people become disciples of Jesus. Uh, group B had the, the blesser group whose goal was just to bless people in Jesus' name. They had seen hundreds of people come to know Jesus and become disciples. And one of the things we've just found through trial and error over the course of Christian history is that when we bless people in Jesus' name, it is a better witness than simply arguing with them. We want to live the gospel and preach the gospel. And so we do that through Bless here at Life Church Livonia. And that's part of why we do our events, like the Cider Mill event. That's a blessing to our community, and we're hoping to bless people through it. It's why we do our Trunk or Treat event. It's why we do events like our Egg Hunt in the spring, because we're trying to bless our community and bless our neighbors to be witnesses of the gospel that we might make disciples who make disciples. And then finally, what does it mean to grow? So the thing it says in the verse here is that uh, Jesus says uh, two things about grow. 
He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So we're going to get to baptism in a second, but I want to camp on that, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. There's two things here that, that kind of come together. Uh, the real question for every follower of Jesus who wants to grow in Christ is this question. Am I growing in obedience? Am I growing in obedience to the design God communicated through his word? Through his word, the Bible, and through his incarnate word, Christ. This means we, we talk about this a lot at Life Church Livonia. Every human being was made in God's image. But the process of sanctification means I'm being made, a move from being made in God's image to being remade into God's likeness. Then instead of just being a human being, I become a person who is like Christ, a little Christ, a Christian, so that I become the kind of person who talks like, thinks like, acts like, speaks like, moves like, loves like Jesus, right? And God's vision for your life, friends, is that you would be spiritual mothers and fathers of the faith who are so wise and Christ-like that it's your very demeanor, your very presence, your very prayers, your very interactions with people will be such a countercultural, profound witness that the kingdom of heaven is real, that people would want to come to know Jesus because they see him in you and in me. And that's what it looks like to grow in Christ. And a big step in that growth process for every believer is the step of baptism. Now, before we watch the baptism testimony videos, I want to just help us understand what's happening here, answering a couple questions very briefly. First, we got to talk about what is baptism? Where does it come from? Why do we do it? And what does it have to do with growing in Jesus? Okay, so baptism is a sacrament, which means like all sacraments, it's a physical embodiment of a spiritual reality. Just like in the sacrament of marriage, we physically embody God's love for the church. In communion, we physically embody Jesus' death on the cross. So in baptism, we physically embody Jesus' resurrection from the dead. The water is not magic, but it is a symbol. And when we go into the water, we symbolize dying to our old self. And when we rise up, we symbolize being born again and raised to new life. Now, baptism has been practiced for well over 2,000 years and began in between the Old and the New Testaments. So the Old Testament ends, there's about 400 years, and then the New Testament begins. And this space in between is called the intertestamental period. I know it's kind of a big word, uh, but it's, it's a simple concept, the time between the Old and the New Testament. So in the beginning of the Old Testament, the people of Israel make a promise with God, we're going to be your people, we're going to follow your ways. Uh, if you protect us, if you fight for us, if you make us flourish, and God says, all oh, yes, very good. If you obey me, I will flourish you. If you disobey me, I will exile you from this land I've promised you. The people say, good, we're good to go. And the whole Old Testament is basically a chronicling of them failing at their part of the agreement. Okay, so the end of the Old Testament, the people of Israel get exiled. And now they're scattered all over the place. They're living in Babylon and Greece and Persia and Assyria. And some of the people of Israel, as they're in these foreign places, continue to practice their faith and continue to remain faithful. And as some of these foreign folks that, who are natives in the land where the Israelites are now exiled, see these Israelite folks living out their faith, they go, wait a minute, that's true. What you what you're believe, I believe that that's true. And I think that what I, the way I've been living and the way I've been thinking is actually wrong. And they wanted to convert to Judaism. And these folks were called proselytes, which is why you may have heard evangelism called proselytism. Very interesting. As you know, 
Judaism, though, is not just a religion. It's a culture. It's an ethnic group, right? It has customs. So when someone wanted to convert to Judaism, they weren't just changing belief systems. They were changing national allegiances and cultures. This was a whole process. And at the end of that process was baptism. Uh, in Exodus, when the people of Israel passed through the waters of the Red Sea, it's because God did a miracle. And that miracle was not just to save them from Egypt, it was to transform them from Egyptian slaves into God's people. Before they went through the Red Sea, they were fleeing slaves. After they crossed through the Red Sea, they were freed people who were God's people. And in the intertestamental period, between the Old and the New Testaments, the same thing is true. As people went under the waters of baptism, they were whoever they were before. And when they rose up out of the waters of baptism, they were new. They were free. They were part of God's people. And the old identity stayed under the water. And the new identity that I am one of God's people, I'm his child, I'm in his family, that identity rose to the surface. And Paul expresses this transformation well in the New Testament. He says, For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Here there is no Jew, Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Baptism doesn't replace our culture or gender or other identifiers, but those things are enveloped into the overarching identity that my primary identity is a child of God. So at the beginning of the New Testament, John the Baptist comes in and he's baptizing Jews, which was wildly offensive because he was saying, you've fallen so far from what it means to be the people of God, you need to be baptized back into your own religion. This baptism was an outward symbol of the inner transformation of repentance that people were experiencing. And that's still true today. So when Jesus gives the Great Commission, and he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. To Jesus, this public proclamation of inner faith is part of what it means to grow in him. It's part of what it means to be a disciple is that I've publicly proclaimed my faith in Christ through being baptized. And in fact, in the book of Acts, when someone comes to believe in Jesus and chooses to follow him as Lord, they're encouraged to get baptized right away as a public proclamation of faith that now they are no longer the old person. They are this new person. And today, four people are taking that step of proclamation here at Life Church Livonia. But before we watch their testimony videos, I want us as a community to make some commitments to them. And uh, I'm going to read some things, and I want you just to simply respond in your own home or in the chat we do. So, church, do you commit to walking with these fellow believers to support them in a new life in Christ? We do. Do you promise to pray for them and support them by embodying what it means to be a Christian community? We do. Do you promise to contribute to their discipleship, fulfilling the Great Commission, and in so doing, loving Jesus by obedience to his word? We do. With that, we're going to kick off and watch through these baptism testimonies. Before Jesus, it was hard and stressful. I had, like, troubles with 
anger because I got angry a lot. Technically everyone has anger, but it's not like any anger. <laughs> I got annoyed by my own sister. I'm not kidding, Mom. <laughs> I felt the rage at that time. How I came to know Jesus more? Technically Life Kids, because that's my church. <laughs> Sometimes when I pray, I just do it by myself. That's why I did it quietly. May 20th, I decided to pray, to pray in the car because I felt like I needed his, like, Jesus' help. Like, I know that he helped a lot of people, and I kind of felt like I needed his help, too. A lot of times I wasn't patient, but now I'm, like, a little, like, somewhat more patient. But still, I think that he helped a lot in my life. I want to get baptized because I feel like I need, like, a little bit more help in my life when it comes to a lot of things. And what I'm saying is I'm kind of showing the church that I need help through my life and want them to help me. My name is Grace and I want to get baptized. Before Jesus, I felt sadder and madder and I felt unloved. I got in a lot of fights with my friends and it was just very stressing. I wanted to give my heart to Jesus because I felt like it would make me feel better about my sins. I decided to ask Jesus in my heart one night when I was sat on the bed with my mom. I decided to get baptized when I saw people do it and I thought, that looks fun, let's do it. I have not felt as sad and mad and now I feel loved. Bye. There was this thing in my heart that wasn't complete. I felt like I wasn't complete. There was a part of me that, that I felt missing and I wasn't complete and I played with my parents. And then Jesus came into my heart. I know what that voice inside of my head was to say no and I just refused because I knew what it was. So I just got baptized. I know it's the Devin. I can't actually say the word Devin. I would not listen to the devil at all. Since I accepted Jesus, I feel peaceful, loved, and a child of God. And my name is Gloriana, and I want to get baptized. Well, my life before Jesus, uh, I definitely struggled a lot with anxiety and temptations. And I, uh, you know, going to Michigan State, I uh, would constantly going out to like parties and bars with my friends and everything like that and even joined a fraternity to try to even get more involved to have more events and uh, stuff to do like that so I was kind of you know the stereotypical college lifestyle of doing that and uh, filling my life with as much a uh, temporary enjoyment as possible which was the big thing when for Christ is what I was doing all the time. I eventually started realizing that going out to the bars and everything was such a temporary happiness. And it was something that like, I would, you know, the next day I'd be like, oh, that was fun. But like, I'm still missing something. I'm still missing this piece. I'm still missing something that at the moment I didn't really know what it was. And something that I feel like is so important, especially now knowing, but, uh, 
yeah, it was something that I was really just missing in my life. And I kept on thinking that, and I would even got to a point where I wouldn't want myself to ever be not doing something because then I would just get in my head and overwhelming thoughts of just stress and anxiety and knowing that there's something in my life that I'm missing, but I don't know what it is. And it's just this constant cycle. I think I just realized that this temporary happiness is just can't go on forever. It's something that as it is, it's temporary. It's not something that's ever going to fulfill this void in me that I knew I needed to fulfill and I knew that God in Christ is the best thing to do it and I really and having um, my girlfriend Chanel and her family just got me towards God in the first place and I was raised uh, going to church every Sunday but as a kid you're not really paying attention to the nitty-gritties you're more focus on, oh, what's the next Lego set I can build, or let's go play some Minecraft and stuff like that. It's, I'm not thinking about you know the details and the importance of it. And uh, that's something that I really found in the last year and a half, two years, I've grown and knew that I was missing something. I knew that God would be the one to fulfill it. I originally started going to church with Chanel about a year and a half ago, and we would um, go to, um, the church every Sunday and that was kind of my beginning of ever going to church and like actually be listening to the pastor and listening to what he's saying and that got me into being like you know like I feel so good doing this and I started realizing that like, this is the thing I was missing all along and I didn't know exactly how I was supposed to do it all I knew is that going to the church every Sunday made me feel happy and all my stress would be gone during that time and I'd feel so happy being there and the people around me were so happy and it's just something I knew I needed and uh, yeah we started doing that every Sunday but then I knew I needed more than that and I um, eventually just going to church I feel like I originally was going for the wrong reasons too I was kind of going just to bring myself that happiness every week. I started realizing that I wasn't really getting any closer to God. I was just kind of in the cycle of going to church to make myself feel better. I would repent for what I did bad, but I wouldn't change what I was doing. And that was the hardest step was starting to repent, but changing what I was doing. I started reading the Bible every day, reading multiple chapters, writing down notes and questions that I had. I started a, a Bible study with um, my girlfriend's dad and mom, uh, Lisa and Jim, and uh, we uh, would do tough questions every week. And I would come with questions that I just, I feel like most people have about Christianity in general and these hard things in life. And like, it's hard to fully understand a lot of it because especially for me I didn't have a huge knowledge of the Bible or anything like that so having two people to help me and help strengthen this connection with God was so so I'm so grateful for it and it's such a blessing to have these people in my life we're not built to have all this anxiety and stress and deal with it ourselves. This is not gonna happen. You're gonna fall into temptation. You're gonna suffer from all this anxiety. You have to have someone to take that from you and finding God and 
having him do that was the best thing that's ever happened in my life. Well, life has been amazing since following Jesus. It's, it's only up from here too. And I just find myself finally able to just have peace of mind in a way and not be stressed out and have all this anxiety. And of course I still have it for school and all this, but being able to have someone that I can just sit down and talk to for 10, 15 minutes and pray and just have that taken away from me is something that I've never had in my life and I don't need to deal with it anymore. I can give that burden off and he'll take it from me and it's something so, so amazing. And I also finally have that peace in my life that I was missing. I just, I don't need to go searching anymore and filling myself with these uh, temporary happiness in situations of happiness. The reason I wanted to get baptized was uh, a couple of reasons. One is I, I know that I got baptized at birth and I knew that that was something that I never really thought of getting baptized ever since because I, well, I already got baptized, but I, uh, I knew that the person that I was and what I am now are two completely different people. And I knew that I wanted to die and be reborn again, just like Jesus Christ was and be reborn because I feel like I'm now someone with Christ that's completely different than what I was. I feel like I also have a new purpose in life with Christ. I feel like I have this new kind of like want to just kind of spread his word. And it's something that I think is like great because I've been, you know, spreading to my family and my, my sister and getting them into, you know, reading the Bible every day and going to church. And it's just, it's amazing to see what I can do for them outside of just myself because I want to expand it to as many people as I can because this joy and this amazing thing I have in my life now, I want everyone to know about it. I want everyone to feel the way I feel. It, it's changed my life forever and I know it will change everyone's life forever and it's something I really want for everyone. My name is Corbin Homer and I want to get baptized. How precious and beautiful. I uh, find it so sweet that, you know, as I listen to these nine and 10 year old kids who want to be baptized, there's just this purity of heart where they don't have all the words, uh, but it is real. And I just see myself in that uh, from when I was a child. And so I'm so grateful uh, that they have chosen to follow Jesus. They're in the no grow go process. And as we close today, I just want to know, where are you in the no grow go process? Where are you? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Where do you think God might be inviting you to grow? And in the name of, you know, breaking through the busy, where is growing in Christ in your schedule? How are you making disciples? How are you becoming a more mature disciple? Where is that in your time? And then how might God be inviting you to go on mission? You're not just here to be a consumer. You're here for a purpose. If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. And God has a purpose for you to make disciples who make disciples. And if you want to fulfill the Great Commission and you're a follower of Jesus, where is that in your schedule? How are you doing that? And if you're confused about that, you'd like more information, you feel stuck, I just want to encourage you, please reach out to us. We want to help you in that process and help you figure out how to be obedient to Jesus in the midst of that process. I know we've already talked about the gospel, but if you don't know Jesus, I want you to know that he died for your sins. 
that he died to reconcile you to God, that that longing in your heart, that hole in you that seems to ache after every party, after every hangover is over, after every morning after, after every time you come down from that high, after that, just that hole that's always there, that hole was made to be filled by God and God alone. And if you feel that hole gnawing at you, know that Jesus is extending his hand to you to fill that today. And I just want to invite you to accept Jesus's invitation to believe in him for the forgiveness of your sins so that you might be able to be reconciled to God and invited into Jesus's life and life in all its fullness. Would you pray with me? Lord, I need you to change me. I need you to transform me. Lord, this hole inside of me, if you can fill it, Jesus, fill it. This thirst in my spirit, if you can satisfy it, Jesus, satisfy me now. Lord, I don't want to follow my own way anymore. I want to follow your way. I don't want to live the way I've been living. I want to live in a new way. God, I need a change and I need you to change me. Show me, Father, what it looks like to live in this new way. I repent, Lord, and I ask for your forgiveness. Forgive me, Lord, for looking for fulfillment in all these lesser things and transform me from the inside out that I might become a spiritual mother and father of the faith, that I might become the kind of person, Lord, who looks like, talks like, acts like, thinks like you. And that, Lord, my life would be a testimony and a witness to the reality of God and to the saving grace of Jesus. Lord, Make me whole and fill me with your eternal life right here and now. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you just prayed with me, please, please, please reach out to us via our digital bulletin. And we can't wait to see you next week as we continue our series, Break Through the Busy, and we begin talking about our core values. As we begin with our first one, we are highly relational. We'll see you next week.